Hello, and welcome to SigmaCast, a series of interviews and discussions with prominent healthcare providers from around the world. My name is Dr. Matt Howard, the Director of Scholarship Resources at Sigma. This SigmaCast is one of a series of discussions we'll be having with nurse researchers from around the world. Within this series, we'll be discussing multiple aspects of individual nursing research and the impact nurse researchers are having on their area of nursing and on society. Today, we'll be speaking with Dr. Linda Frank. Dr. Frank was inducted into Sigma's International Nursing Research Hall of Fame in July of 2020 at Sigma's 31st International Nursing Research Congress. Dr. Frank is a Jack and Elaine Kane Endowed Chair in Pediatric Nursing and a professor in the Department of Family Healthcare Nursing at the University of California, San Francisco in the United States. Thank you for joining us today, Dr. Frank. It's a pleasure. Can you tell us a bit about your background and what led you to this point in your career? Sure. Um, I started out my career as a bachelor's prepared nurse. I went straight into specialty care, into actually one of the emerging specialties at the time, neonatal intensive care. So I spent a few years at the bedside taking care of critically ill preterm and sick babies. And during that time, there was a lot of, I mean, everything was new. Everything was uh, just being developed. There wasn't a lot of research on how to take care of sick and tiny babies. And so we were learning on the job all the time. And I think it was right at that stage in my very first job that I got bit by the research bug, so to speak, and started asking questions and then went back to our master's and started doing research uh, in my master's program, went back uh, to uh, clinical practice and then into nursing and healthcare administration in the hospital, branching out to pediatric critical care as well as neonatal critical care and other areas of hospital management. And But then kept finding myself pulled back to research questions and to trying to improve practice by getting more data and more information. So uh, eventually, I decided that I had to go back to school once more and uh, entered the PhD program, you know, really honing my skills in research and then finally uh, becoming an academic so that I could focus on research full time, but still very much tied to clinical practice areas. Can you tell us a bit about your research area? Sure. So my program of research has really evolved over the years. In my early research, I focused on improving pain management for infants and children with pain related to critical, acute, and chronic illnesses. So that was my focus. And uh, although I wanted to quickly just try to find new methods to relieve uh, pain in children receiving medical care, what I discovered was I actually had to start at the very beginning and figure out ways of even measuring pain in nonverbal children. Uh, so building the toolkit, if you will, to do the research before we could even start to uh, ask and then describe the problem. And then finally, eventually get to some studies where we could actually test different treatments. So that turned out to be quite a bit of a longer journey than I had originally envisioned, but a very rewarding and, and hopefully impactful journey. So over time, my research focus has shifted to trying to understand the impact of pediatric illness on families and evaluating interventions to support families in caring for their ill children and maintaining their own well-being. So I really broadened my focus to include the whole family and also the community 
And this has led me to my current research focus, which is around innovating healthcare delivery and research practices um, that are more fully patient and family partnered, because I've become quite convinced along the way that our best research and our best impact in terms of changing uh, clinical practice happens in partnership with the people who are experiencing uh, the conditions and the communities who are most impacted. You spoke a bit about how your curiosity led you to questioning things, but why did you decide to pursue a career in this type of research? Well, I've always felt that that I don't pick my research questions, um, that they pick me. So I'm, you know, again, driven by the practice of nursing and what I see at the bedside or what my colleagues see at the bedside or in the community and uh, looking to find questions where we don't have answers or to find better practices. So, for example, my work in trying to understand pain in babies and children led me to have, you know, many conversations with parents of those babies about their stress, their lack of knowledge, their concerns about their baby's health, about the impact of pain on their babies, and their helplessness in not knowing how they could help comfort or soothe their children. And what it turned out is the more, the more research that we did, it turned out that actually our most, some of the most effective therapies or treatments for infant pain or prevention of infant pain are things that parents can do, like skin-to-skin holding, like breastfeeding, uh, other sorts of things like that. And sometimes those treatments are actually more effective than the drugs. And that was a surprise not only to the clinicians, but certainly to the families. So then the research became about how do we empower, support, include families in the caregiving of their children in a more substantial way so that they can provide that essential uh, comfort and support that only they can do. And then that led to trying to more deeply understand the the challenges and experiences that families have in caring for a sick child who has a prolonged stay in the ICU, for example, and the stresses that they have and the structural challenges that they face in, you know, uh, lacking time off from work to be with their their child or the struggles of getting uh, child care for their other children at home while they have their sick child. So then, you know, again, those questions bring you out of the clinical area and into the community and, and looking at the intersection of health and social care or education or other structural issues. And so, Again, one question leads to another. Pretty soon you're on this whole other path, but a very rewarding one and hopefully an impactful one because we ask bigger and, and I think, more important questions each time. What gets you excited about nursing research? I think it is really about trying to, again, to try to impact practice to improve the health and lives of others, of people that we care for. So I think it goes back to the roots of nursing and why we become nurses in the first place. But what I found is that research is a very, very powerful way to enact that mission. And, you know, although it's sometimes a a lesson in delayed gratification because it can be a very slow process uh, compared to that immediate uh, sense of reward and fulfillment that you feel when you're at you know, caring for an individual patient or family or client and seeing that direct impact that you've, you've made in, in that day. But 
through research, we can uh, have a much greater impact on many more, many more people with uh, the work that we do. And it's been extremely rewarding to do that. What barriers or obstacles do you face when researching issues surrounding the health care of acutely and chronically ill infants and children? So research is, is always challenging because of the way it's funded. And again, at different times, there'll be you know different challenges, but I think it all comes down to funding and resources because there's a lot of competition for scientific funding. And there's still, I think, a bias against or that nurses aren't as prominent or as skilled in research as, say, physicians or other groups with longer traditions in research. But I think that's changing now, too there's always going to be competition for funding. So it's about making a compelling story and, and also about developing collaborations and networks because research has become really a team sport. The image of individual researcher toiling away in a laboratory or you know at the computer is, is not really how it's done anymore. So one ba- barrier is, is resources. One is just finding the right collaborators and trying to you know, um, put together a team to do the kind of work that, that you think is important. And the other is, is getting the attention of not just your funders, but of the public and of the healthcare system because there are so many competing demands and, and other urgent questions that need to be asked. So those are some of the challenges. You spoke about this a little, but can you tell us how you built an interdisciplinary research team? Do you feel it is important? And if so, how do you go about doing it? Yes, I think it's very, very important. Some of it is about just doing your homework and finding out what's known in the field, who's doing work in that area. But then you'd be surprised at how many local resources you might have, people that are maybe doing in work outside of your particular area but have the skill set. So I try to think about, you know, who, who are your content experts? Who are the people that really deeply know the topic area that you want to do research in? And then I think about what tools you need or what methods you need and who are the methodology experts that you might need for the kind of study design that you're thinking about. And that's where you might uh, get people who work on completely different areas, but they're an expert in, say, you know, a, a qualitative method that you would like to try, or they've done, they have more experience in designing clinical trials than you do. So it doesn't matter that they, you know, they research a completely different age group or, or um, a clinical problem, but they have the skill set around the methods. And then I think a very important member of the team that, again, I've become to realize how much they contribute in my career over the last few years has been having making sure that we have either patient or family or community representatives because having the voice of the people who experience the condition to help you design a study has been really invaluable. So I'll give you an example. We're currently doing research on a model of family integrated care to enable uh, parents of, of sick and preterm babies to more fully participate in their baby's care. And there's a whole package of interventions. But first of all, that package was developed in partnership with patients and families. So that has given it a high likelihood of uptake and more likely to succeed in the implementation. The partnership included nurses uh, caring for clinical for babies at uh, the bedside, social workers and physicians, and so it had the multidisciplinary team as well as 
um, parents of babies who had experienced neonatal intensive care. So the package was co-developed, but then the research plan also needed to be co-developed. So we invited and provided um, some small funding for families who had experienced neonatal intensive care to join the research team and to be uh, collaborators on the research and help us you know, design a study that would be feasible, that would be acceptable, that would um, you know, have a, a higher likelihood of, of success uh, and, and be meaningful in terms of the, the questions that we were asking and the outcomes that we were measuring. And so we're now on sort of the back end of that study. The data have been collected um, and now we're working with those same families and others who have joined us along the way to uh, look at the early results and to analyze the data and they're collaborating with us on writing uh, the papers and also uh, helping us to do videos or other kinds of disseminating the work not only to a clinical audience or research audience but also to to families themselves so that they can learn and benefit from what we've learned so it's a really nice art of a project that's included uh, collaborators of all types but Uh, importantly, uh, families themselves. As a researcher, how do you keep track of or manage being a part of multiple research teams? So that's a really great question, because I think that was one of the skills that wasn't taught in either in my PhD program or postdoctoral studies that I've done and had to really learn on the job is that, you know, as you become a researcher over time, you very rarely let go of one thing that you're doing and start a new one. It's like there's always a long tail to the previous research project, or you're having to um, think about three studies ahead, what you'd like to do and apply for funding for those if you want to have continuous funding without a gap. Or, you know, as, as we mentioned that research is a team sport, so you get asked to then be part of other projects as well. So you can find yourself pretty quickly having a very large portfolio of studies that you're involved with either leading or as a collaborator on. And it can be, you can find, and I have certainly been there where there have been times of like, oh my God, I'm like a little overwhelmed and stretched in all these different directions. And you can sort of lose your way a little bit. So it's taken a while to develop my own skills in this. and, And I do try to incorporate this into my mentoring of students and uh, junior collaborators is to, you know, come up with your own rubric about being a a bit more conscious about when you say yes and why you're taking on new work or when it's time to move away from something to start something new so that there is some kind of connectivity to it. Having said that, you also want to still leave room for the serendipity that happens when you know, it's a, it's a great group of people. You might learn something new in terms of a new technique or get introduced to a new population or something like that. And, and so you want to, you know, leave room for being able to be a little creative and to get out of your comfort zone or out of your swim lane, so to speak. So I don't have an exact formula for it, but I've tried to be a bit more conscious about knowing what my capacity is, uh, not, you know, being mindful about when you can take on something new and trying to stay with something long enough to build critical mass and to see the outcomes and to see see it through to impact. But at the same time, you know, being open to opportunities as they come along. So uh, 
it's something to think about, but I think there's a certain kind of strategic multitasking that has to be of a full-time researcher's skill set. I don't know if it's unique, but it's certainly something that you have to really develop because you need that really focused concentration when you're at certain stages of a project to get, you got to get down to that granular detail level to make sure that you've got a rigorous study. And at the same time, you also need to be able to move between projects because it's not linear and the timeline is such that you can't just stick with one thing and do only that and then tie it up with a bow, put it on a shelf and try something. That's not the nature of the work. What are your recommendations to those who may be in the clinical environment, say pediatric nursing, but may be interested in research? Just start by asking questions. I think it's asking why. It's channeling your inner (laughs) two-year-old or three-year-old who says, well, why, why, why? And and so observing, going about your clinical work or your academic work, if you're in education and just asking questions and then seeing where those questions take you. Sometimes we can find the answers to the questions in published research, but I think many of the questions that are most interesting won't have answers. And that will then set you down a path of getting some basic research skills yourself or joining a team where they're already investigating those questions or related questions. And then, you know, the rest sort of then builds on itself. And and you'll wake up 10 or 20 years later and say, oh, I never intended to have a a career in research, but here I am. You told us a bit about a study you are currently working with. What are the next steps for you and this area of research? Yes, so two things. One is to continue to explore this issue of family partnership in in clinical practice and what that really means and how to fully include families in all aspects of healthcare delivery. So not just the care of their individual child, but how to include them in hospital operations, hospital strategic planning, those kinds of things. But the other main direction that this is taking me is, is again, to try to push the envelope on patient-family engagement and uh, partnership in research. So we've been doing some really interesting and exciting work in communities, particularly communities that experience, for example, health disparities like uh, preterm birth. So Black or Latinx uh, communities who have disproportionately are experiencing preterm birth. We've gone and developed some really amazing partnerships in our local communities to try to understand or just even to ask the question of what unanswered questions they have. What do they think might be affecting their communities in this way? And where would they like the research to go? And for them to guide, not just to be partners in individual research projects that researchers bring to them, but to develop new methods for them to have a voice in what questions get asked, what questions get funded. So we've been working to to really transform our research infrastructure within our different centers, uh, such as the Preterm Birth Initiative, to have the research questions be guided and driven by the community who are experiencing the problems. 
So that's not how research traditionally works. And so we've been really investigating and experimenting with new methods and trying to rigorously evaluate whether those are working and how we can continue to adjust and transform. So that's been really exciting and opened up a whole other new area of uh, inquiry. I'm looking forward to seeing where that leads. Thank you, Dr. Frank, for generously sharing your time and your expertise with us today. Oh, thank you. It's been a real pleasure. And to our listeners, as always, if you have any questions, please visit our website at www.sigmanursing.org forward slash education. Thank you for listening. At Sigma, we know that you look up to other nurses for their research and their leadership. Nominate one of your nurse heroes today for a Sigma award that recognizes their achievements and contributions. Learn more at sigmanursing.org awards.